Titus 3.14 is where we're at today. Just one verse, and then we're going to be going back and picking up a whole bunch of verses, okay? Titus 3.14 is where we're going to start. And it actually was one of our memory verses, so you ought to recognize it from a couple weeks ago. It says this, And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Father, we thank you for uh, gathering together today. God, we thank you for um, the joy that we share in the riches of Christ. Father, it is so good to sing your praise to um, Proclaim with our voices together uh, the good news of the gospel and the grace that has been poured out upon us. Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning to devote ourselves to good works. Uh, God, we do not want to be unfruitful. Uh, Father, we want to meet cases of urgent need. Uh, So Lord, teach us about that this morning. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you've been kind of paying attention to this, and I think you maybe have recognized it, throughout the book of Titus, only three, three short chapters. In my Bible, it's two pages. And throughout that book, six times Titus or Paul has mentioned to Titus the importance of good works. I want, I want to just review those with you real quickly. So Titus chapter 1, um, verse 16 says this, uh, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And now go to chapter 2, uh, verse 7. These are just the times that Ty, Paul has mentioned it to Titus. He commands Titus in verse 7 of chapter 2, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. Now go down to 2.14. In 2.14 it says, Who gave himself, Jesus gave himself, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's, that's us, okay? We're redeemed uh, by God to be a part of God's family, and we are to be zealous for good works. Now go to chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, uh, to be ready for every good work. Now go to three, chapter eight, or chapter 3, verse 8. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And then the passage we just read in 314 where he says, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Okay, so we, we've touched on it uh, several times, and you're going to recognize some of the things that we're going to talk about today that we've talked about them before. But but we we have not given just specific you know, it's such a theme in Titus. We haven't given just a huge amount of time to what, what is he talking about when he, when he talks about good works, okay? So I, I want to just talk thematically today through the book of Titus and then really through the whole Bible on what, what, what is this thing that, that, that God is describing for us of these good works that must be present in a born-again believer, okay? So what I want to talk about first is the fuel, okay? So what fuels these good works? If we are a people and the gospel has made us into the, these people who are devout and, and zealous and committed to and devoted to good works, what is the fuel behind that? But before we get to that, okay? So I, don't you love when someone says, we're going to talk about that, but not yet, okay? Yeah, before we get to that, I, I have a disclaimer, okay? 
If you are not joined to Jesus in a faith relationship, okay? So if you're here today and you're seeking or you're just not quite sure where you stand, but but you don't know for certain that you are united to Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. You are born again. You're you're made new. If you don't know that for sure, then actually most of what I'm going to talk about today does not apply to you, all right? Uh, now, please don't leave. You know, I, I, think, you're, I think you're gonna enjoy, uh, I think you'll benefit from some of the things that we're gonna talk about, okay? But here's what you need to know, and, and I, I love Spurgeon. He didn't say it exactly like this, but, but I got this idea from him. He basically says, if you're not joined to Jesus Christ, then there's only one thing that you need to know about good works, okay? So, so this sermon can be really simplified for you, okay? If you're not joined to Christ in a faith relationship, there is one thing you need to know, one thing you need to know about good works. This is it. Are you ready? You don't have any, okay? So if you're not joined to Jesus, there's only one thing you need to know in the context of good works, and that is you don't have even one, okay? You don't have any. Uh, not that you can't do something nice. So, so please let me clarify what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying you can't do something nice for somebody. I'm not saying that you haven't made a great contribution to our community or to our world or to your family. I, I'm not saying any of that, okay? But what I am saying is the Bible is really clear on this. Hebrews 11:6 makes it really clear that you cannot please God. Without faith, without being joined to Jesus Christ in a faith relationship, anything you do, though it might be perceived as good by your community or it might have benefit to others around you, it is not a good work before God. You cannot please God without faith. And the reason for that is if you are not in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, you are in active rebellion against your creator. You are in active war, if you will, against your creator. If you today are insisting upon your own righteousness, this morning. If this morning you came here today and, and you, you believe that you have found life outside of God, you believe that you don't really need God, that honestly you're not very interested in God, that, uh, that you have no, no sin to be atoned for, if in your heart and mind actually life is sort of preferable without God or apart from God, if you're proclaiming today that you don't have sin, that, 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 that you're sufficient in your own righteousness, you are indeed at odds with God. You're at war with God. And so anything that you do, though it might be good uh, in the eyes of man, it, it is at odds with God. Let, let, me, let me give you an illustration that I think will make sense, all right? So, so, so how is it possible that if, you're, if you don't have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, that anything you do is not really a good work? How is that possible? Let, let me give you this illustration, okay? Imagine a wife who is actively committing adultery against her husband, okay? So I'm not talking about a one-time slip-up. I'm talking about this lady is committed to many different men in her life, and she is actively committing adultery on a regular basis to her husband, against her husband, okay? It does not matter how many sandwiches she makes. It doesn't matter how awesome her spaghetti is. It does not matter how, 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 how kind her words are to her husband, how many compliments she gives. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how great she keeps the household. Not all of that in the context of her adultery is actually offensive, correct? Is that, is, that's right, right? Like, like the, the husband doesn't look at his marriage and say, well, you know what? You got, you got five good things here and just this one bad, and so I think we're okay. You know, man, I'm really happy. You're a great wife. That, that can't happen, right? Like, like she is at odds because of her broken covenant with her husband. And in the same way, if you're at odds with God, if you have this broken covenant with God, my friends, God, God is not pleased. He, he is not pleased with you. 
If you are not joined by faith to Jesus Christ, your only hope this morning is to hear the gospel. It is to believe the gospel. It is to realize that you are broken in your sins and that God has sent his son because he loved you. He sent his son to live the perfect life on your behalf and to die a substitutionary death in your place to pay the price for your sins. And today the call to you is to believe. The call to you is to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he extends his hand of mercy to you through the cross, through his resurrection, that you might believe on him and find life, okay? Then once that happens, all right, so now I'm pulling the rest of you in, okay? Once that happens, once you have believed on Jesus Christ, once you are depending upon him alone for your salvation, once you've been born again, once you've been made new, if you remember the sermon a couple weeks ago, regeneration, once you've been made new, now good works begin to flow out of your connection, out of your union to Jesus Christ. There's a great passage in Ephesians that really just maps this out so beautifully. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And it says this, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. Okay, see, that's why, that's why I, what I need you to realize is if you're not connected to Christ, then, then the only word to you this morning is you don't have any works because you can't get to heaven by good works. I, I don't want you to leave here today saying, well, man, he talked a lot about good works. I need to go do some good things so that God will be pleased with me. You, you can't, it doesn't work that way. It's like that wife saying, well, man, I'm, I'm living in awe, at odds with my husband because I'm having an adulterous affair with many men. I need to make better sandwiches. He'll be pleased with me then. No, no, what you need to do is repent of your sin and believe upon Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep reading. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And so good works must flow out of our connection, our relationship to Jesus Christ. There's another great verse in Philippians that describes this, I think, well. Philippians 2, 12, 13, 14, it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." We're not, we're not saying that there's no effort involved in what we're about to talk about. There absolutely is. But it is effort in the context of being joined to Jesus Christ, tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit, looking to Christ, uh, crucifying your flesh, looking to him, depending upon him for good works. Okay, now back to what I originally said, all right? Now, what is the fuel for these good works that Paul talks about six times in the book of Titus. And the fuel for the good works is that God has been good to us, okay? So everything that comes out of you, think of it this way, everything that comes out of you in the Christian life, it's because God has put it in you, okay? So, 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 uh, so a good way to think about your Christian life and good works is, is you, you want whatever, whatever God's put in you, you want that to come out of you, all right? And God has been good to us. All right, God has loved us with an everlasting love. Do you, do you remember back in, in well, there were two particular passages that we did this. You, you remember that in Titus, the, the, the key is you're always looking back to what Christ has done and you're looking forward to what Christ will do, okay? That is the gas, okay? That is the fuel. That is the power. That is the, the connection to the power source. So let, let, let's remind ourselves of these passages. So chapter two, verse 11, okay, here we go. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What's he teaching us to do? Look back. Look to the cross. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. Now he looks forward. 
waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our glory of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from lawlessness. All right, so so you have a looking back to the cross, you have a looking forward to the hope that Christ has for us. Go to chapter three. Same thing. Verse four. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he's looking back to the cross now, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. There it is again. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, there's the new birth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now watch, he's turning forward here. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Okay, that, that's, that, that's coming. It, it, it's present now and coming. We're heirs with Jesus Christ according to the hope of eternal life. So we're always looking back to the cross. We're looking forward to what Christ has done. Now, as we begin to appropriate all of that, all that Jesus has done for me on the cross, all that he will do for me coming up, that is the fuel, that, that's the ingredients that produces the good works in your life. All right, it, it's what fuels you. Let, let, me, let me show you this in, in the, book of, the little book of 1 John. In, in 1 John chapter um, 4, I think all these verses are in chapter 4. First uh, John chapter four. Let's let's start in verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Okay, where does the love come from? So the love that we're supposed to have for one another, the love that we're supposed to have for neighbor, the love that we're supposed to have for the for the, for the world. Where does that come from? It comes from God. Okay, He's loved us. All right, go down to verse eleven. Even even more direct here. Beloved, if God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. All right, where does, where does the love that you're giving to other people, where does that come from? It comes from God. God has put it in you. It's coming out of you. Okay, even more direct. Verse 19, uh, we love because he first loved us. Where does the love come? Do you see what I'm saying? So, so good works are not, ah, gosh, I know I'm supposed to be better. I know I'm supposed to be nice. I really don't want to, but uh, I, I want to be a good Christian. So, all right, I'm going to go do something nice, even though I'm going to hate it. I'm going to try to smile about it, even though these people irritate me. That, that, is, that is not good works, okay? Good works is you're grabbing onto this mountain of love that has been poured out on you in Jesus Christ through the cross, through your justification, through your new birth. You're looking forward to this incredible glory that is coming for you. And out of that, you're like, man, I want to love others. Like my cup is full and overflowing. God has been good to me. I want to pour that out, the goodness of God on other people. Okay, that, that's the fuel of, of love. Right? It, it is concluding this, that Christ is worth it. He has met all my needs. I want, really, really what a believer is saying in good works is I want more Jesus. I want more Jesus. Like, he's done all of this in the cross. All of this is coming for me. Oh, I want more of it. I'm running toward it. I'm running toward him. And that comes out in good works. It comes out in his works. It comes out in his life. Really, that's the way Paul described it. He's like, I want more Jesus' life. And, and, and so I'm going to be right at the stream of what he's doing in the world. And so the fuel conclusion here, I want more of Christ, more of his life in and through me, which translates and flows into good works. And, and let me just say this, guys, it has to. Okay, what I mean by that is there is a necessity here. This, this really isn't optional. Okay, James chapter 2, verse 17 says, Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, now again, don't distort that. Don't, don't take that wrong. Don't, don't be like, oh, 
Yep. What, what I got to do to make sure I'm saved is I got to go do some nice things. You know, pastor talked about his daughter doing orphan ministry. Man, I got to go find me an orphan and, and do something nice so that I can feel like I'm pleasing to God. Or ah, they're always guilting about that team kid ministry. I guess I could go give it a try. I really hate kids and that's my Netflix night, but I'll, I'll TiVo it and it'll be, all right. man, that, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, you, you can't get to heaven that way, all right? But, but here's what the Bible is saying. What the Bible is saying is if your faith does not produce a changed life, it is a dead faith. The connection is not right. Okay, so think of it this way. I'm not at all handy, uh, so I've, I've got a limited amount of illustrations to give to you. Some, some of you would have hundreds and thousands of illustrations. I got just a few, okay? Um, most recently, it's been probably three or four months, I, I put up a ceiling fan, okay? Uh, I don't do very much of this kind of stuff, but I put, I put up a ceiling fan. You know, I hooked it all up, okay? Uh, you know, wires to the wires and, you know, all, trying to figure that all out. And, you know, I think I had to call Dave or Gary Bates once. And anyway, you know, got it all up and everything. Okay, if I turn the power back on, okay, if I turn the power back on and I turn the switch on and I turn it on and nothing happens, Nothing, there's no rotation of the blades, okay? Something is wrong, right? Like there's, there's something wrong with the connection. The, the power is not getting to the blades. It's not spinning. Something's wrong with the connection. Now, you know what would be really silly at that point? If I was like, oh, man, this thing is not working. And Emma's up there looking at me like, I'm so disappointed in you as my husband. And, and, and so I, I'm like, hey, I can fix this. I can fix this. And I reach up and I start spinning the blades. And I'm like, look, it's working. It's working. You know, see, it's working. No, it's not working. Like, there's no power yet. A lot of people do that with their, with their Christian life. They look at their life and they're like, man, I don't have any works. Oh, no, let me, let me spin this a little bit. No, no, what, what you ought to say is, man, there's something wrong with my connection to the power source who is God. And so A, A either I'm not abiding, either I, I really am connecting, but I'm not doing the John 15 thing. I'm, I'm not abiding. I'm not, I'm not coming to the cross and receiving all of these riches and looking forward to the glory that's coming and appropriating that so much so that it's coming out of me. Or I'm not really connected. Meaning I, I'm not born again. I, I, need, I need to trust Christ. I, I, I need to believe upon him. And so the fuel for these works is our connection to Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, which is a necessity. Okay, works. We, we will be judged, um, actually. In, in the book of Romans, there, there's a, a beautiful passage. Actually, it's kind of a scary passage. It says this, um, this is Romans 2, 6. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. So make, make no mistake, you're not going to get to heaven and God's going to weigh your good versus your bad works. If, if that's the case, we're all doomed, okay? Because I have like a billion bad and, and anything I've ever done that was actually good was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't have anything on my own. Okay, that, that's not gonna happen. But what is gonna happen 
is Jesus will display your connection to him through your changed life. Like that will be the evidence. It will be the evidence of your connection to him by faith. So works are necessary. Now, the real point of this sermon today was, was this question. What are those works? So, so I got to the end of Titus and I got to think, okay, we talked about good works six times. But I don't know that we ever talked about what exactly are those works, okay? Um, now, that, when, when you begin to actually dive into it, it, it's too big, too broad, too diverse to actually answer that. But I think what, what I wanted to do this morning is answer it in some big, broad categories, okay? So that, that's what we're going to attempt to do this morning. So we're going to attempt to answer that question in some big, broad categories, all right? So let's, let's talk about category number one. So what, what are these works? And, and I think chapter 3, verse 14 gives us this category. Let me read it for you again. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Now, what's the first big category? first big category is good works are going to be cases of urgent need. We, we give help and assistance and we jump into cases of urgent need. Okay, now this makes sense, all right? It makes sense, especially when we think about the fuel of good works, because this is how God loved us, right? This is exactly what God did for us. God has met our most urgent and pressing need in the gospel. I, I don't know what you think your needs are. Um, that's probably a diverse question in this room, right? If we all wrote down on, 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 our, on our piece of paper, you know, what are my needs? You know, some of you, you, first thing you might come to your mind is your mortgage payment or maybe, um, you know, getting your stimulus or um, maybe uh, some business problem or some job problem or some marriage problem or some, some whatever, right? And you, you'd maybe write all that down. And I'm not, th- those are absolutely, I, I get that. That's part of life. Okay, but, but here's the truth of the gospel, Your most pressing need is you were buried in your sins, sinking into an eternal hell under the weight of God's righteous judgment, and you needed to be rescued. I mean, that's our most urgent need. Like like when I look at my need, God has met my needs in Christ. Yeah, he has met them. I I was born in brokenness, and my heart was spiritually dead, and I didn't want God. And, And my very wanter was damaged. I came into this world with a wanter that was malfunctioning. Wanting all the wrong things. And I had this need to be made alive, to be made new, to be fixed, to be born again. I'd accumulated a lifetime of sin against God, treating God's commandments with careless disregard. I had a need for forgiveness. I had a need for righteousness. I had a need to be justified before God. And so out of the fullness of God, out of God's incredible supply, our needs are met. All right, now, now, if my needs are met by God, then wouldn't it make sense that, 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 that my good deeds would be aimed in that direction? You know, think about this. What, what, is, what is the most common themes, Genesis to Revelation, as far as good works? I would say, by far, the most common theme, Bible as a whole, is this. Care for who? Widows, orphans, and strangers. Now, that's, that's, in, that's in the Old Testament, that's in the law, that's in the prophets, that's in the wisdom literature, that's in, that's in the gospels, that's in the epistles. I think it's, I haven't thought this through, I think it's probably even in, in eschatology passages, right? I mean, it is, it is pervasive throughout the scriptures that we care for widows, orphans, and strangers. Now, why? Why does God pick those three groups? Because they are in need, Right? 
Like particularly in Jesus' day, a widow had no way to provide herself. An orphan had no way to care for himself. A stranger had no rights, no privileges, no, 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 no way to protect himself. And so the Bible is pointing out people in need, and he's saying, all right, you target them. It's interesting that the word need in the Greek means that which should happen, okay? It's a word that means need. there's a need, but, but, but specifically when I looked at the definition in the Greek, it said this, that which should happen. And so we ought to look at our, our, our world, this is a great, great way to look at our world, and just say, okay, what kind of thing should happen? Like what should happen in, 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 in the world? In the kingdom, well, children should be fed. They should be cared for. They should be provided for. They should be given a home. They should be nurtured. They should have discipline. They should have love, right? There, there's like, we could just go on and on and on, right? What thing? There should be justice. There should be, right? We, we should, all right, these things ought to be. There's a great passage in Luke, Luke chapter 10. Um, and it begins, it begins with a, it begins in verse 26, but it begins, begins with a lawyer asking Jesus a question. And the question is this, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And, and so Jesus tells the guy, he says, well, you should love God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, lawyers, they're really good at this. He, you know, he's, he's working that out in his mind. He's like, okay, I, I, I need to be real, I need to clarify here exactly who's my neighbor. Like, I, I want to know who that guy is because I'm going to love him as myself so that I can get into heaven. And instead of just telling the guy, well, here's your neighbor, Jesus tells him a story. And he says, well, let me, let me tell you a story. And, and the story is about a traveler going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and, and, and robbers ambush him, and they, they, beat, they strip him, they beat him, they rob him, and they leave him in the ditch. The Bible says half dead. Have you ever thought about what half dead means? I, I think that's like you're, you're, you're barely hanging on. Like if something doesn't happen, you're a goner, right? They leave him in the ditch half dead. And then, as the story goes, the robbers take off, you know, with his money, with his possessions, and here comes a priest. Now, in the story, you're thinking, oh, good, it's a priest. This guy will surely help. The guy sees this terrible mess in the ditch and probably thinks the robbers are still around. He goes to the side of the road and hightails it. Then here comes a Levite. That's another religious guy, spiritual guy, deacon, elder guy, small group leader. He looks at the guy in the ditch, ah, you know, goes to the other side, runs on by. Then here comes a Samaritan. Nobody expects this guy to help. He's a Samaritan. Everybody doesn't like them. They're, they're, not, they're not spiritual people. They're the unlikely folks in, in, in the New Testament to do anything virtuous. This guy stops. He says he has compassion. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on an animal. He takes him to an inn. He pays for his medical care. And then Jesus finishes the story by saying, all right, which guy was a neighbor? Well, obviously, the one who showed mercy. And, and I would add to that, the one who met the need. So that brings us to a big question. What are the greatest needs around us? Okay, so if, if we're fueled by this incredible love of God in the past and hope of God in the future, and God has met all of our needs in Jesus Christ, and we're headed to this glorious place, this glorious reality that's coming for us, and then we look around and, and, and we're, to be, we're to be need meters, okay, so what are the greatest needs around us? Well, again, that's a real complicated question. That's really, obviously, I can't wait for tonight because this is a great question to work out in a small group, right? But let, let me just give you a head start, okay? The greatest need around us, our greatest need, I already told you that, is for the gospel. That's, that's our greatest need. 
People need the truth of Jesus' glorious life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection. People need to know the miseries of sin and their need for repentance. People need to know the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God. People need to be called to faith in Jesus. They need to be encouraged in the promises of God. You know one that I, 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 I say a lot in America, okay? I, I don't know that, that this would, would be the same in India or Indonesia, but in America, I think one of the greatest needs in America is spiritual friendship. I, I really think it is. I think it's a means by which we love our neighbor. I think love for neighbor looks different based on need. And, and, and I think in America, a lot of times it's spiritual friendship. Well, people need to be discipled. They need to be taught to obey all that Jesus commanded. And then after that, okay, so I think that's at the top. That's, that's people's greatest need. No matter what you might fix in their life, if you don't, if you don't aim at that one, they're, they're going to go to hell. Okay, but, but right behind that is a whole bunch of needs. Justice, food, clothing, shelter, encouragement, wisdom, counsel, help, and a whole bunch of other things that you must work out in your own context. But we must ask ourselves, what is needed? What ought to be? So what are these good works? Well, they are they're when we meet urgent needs. Number two, what are these good works? I'm trying to give you big categories. Things done for Jesus in Jesus' name. There's a great verse in in Matthew 10, 42 that captures my attention. And it says this, whoever, Jesus is saying this, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The thing I like about that is a cup of cold water seems like a very simple thing, right? Like a very, this is not like you bought somebody a car. You know, this, this is, you know, they, they, were, they need refreshment. They, they're thirsty. It is a small act of kindness that, that relieves suffering, refreshes the soul. And here's what Jesus says, when it is done for me, when it is done for me because of Christ, because they're my disciple, that will not be forgotten. Now, here's what that tells me. That tells me that motive absolutely matters, all right? Did you hear that? Motive matters, okay? Why you do a work matters. Let let, let me give you some other examples of that. In Matthew chapter six, here's a bunch of stuff that you would think would top the list of good works, all right? But, But Jesus says if you do it for the wrong reason, it doesn't matter at all, okay? So in Matthew chapter six, he's talking about giving, And he says, beginning in verse 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. And he goes on to give an example of giving. He says, When you give to the needy, don't sound the trumpet uh, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they think will be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who's in secret will reward you. Yeah, now don't let that paralyze you. Don't think you can't ever do a good work if someone might see it, okay? That's not the point. The point is, why are you doing it? And if what we're doing, we're doing so that people will look at me, so that people will value me, so that people will think, man, he's a good pastor. Man, he's doing his job. Okay, if that's what it is, it is not a good work in the eyes of God. Now, contrast that to Luke 14. Okay, here's, here's another example. I think it's an interesting one. Jesus says this, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Why? Why, why would you invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind? What, 
What's true about those folks in Jesus' time, especially in Jesus' day? They, they could not repay you. They, 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 they had nothing to offer you, okay, resource-wise, position-wise, status-wise, okay? And then he says in verse 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So, so Jesus says, man, wh- whatever you do, do it not for what men will give to you, not for people praising you, people patting you on the back. Good job, good job, way to go. That's all what you did. Okay, don't, don't do it for that reason. Do, do it for Christ. And, and all of a sudden, that makes a whole bunch of ordinary activities, actually spiritual activities, if they're done for the sake of Christ. I want to give you another example I think that's really beautiful. In Hebrews chapter 10, It says this, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. So so they they were born again, and then bam, they were hit with suffering, struggle, persecution. And the next verse says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those who, who were so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and abiding one. Now, what happened there? Well, evidently, there was persecution that broke out, and some folks were thrown into jail. Now, if people were thrown into jail for their faith, what does that mean for you going and visiting them? Okay? What does it mean for you bringing them something in jail? What does it mean for you providing for their needs, for you putting money on their account? What does that mean for you? That means you're under the spotlight, right? Like now they know about you. And, and, and what, what the writer of Hebrews commends these believers for is he says, even though you knew this was going to make it hard on you, you did it anyway. Why? Because you knew you had something better. See, if your something better is pats on the back by other people, man, it's not a good work. If your something better is Jesus is worth it. So I, I can put myself out. I can do a hard thing. I, I, can, I can suffer for it even because what I have coming from Jesus is better. That is a good work. That is a work that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so number one, meeting the urgent needs. Number two, doing what you do for Jesus in his name. And then number three, this is the, the last one. What are these good works? They are things done with Christ-like character with the intention to bless others, okay? Now, I, I would just say this. There's a whole realm of good works that are simply you living out the character of Jesus Christ. Okay, now go, go back to chapter three in, in, in the book of Titus, okay? So we were here not too long ago. And, and this, this chapter three, verses one and two is talking about how you live with the world around us, how we live with people who don't, don't regard Jesus, don't love Jesus. Maybe they're just indifferent to Jesus. Maybe they're against Jesus, okay? How do you live with those people? Titus 3, 1 and 2 says, remind them, be submissive to rulers and authorities, be obedient, be ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, show perfect courtesy toward all people. How are you ready for good, a good work? That's, that's right in the middle of that, those two verses. You know how you're ready for a good work? You're kind. You, you show perfect courtesy. You, you're gentle with people. You're submissive to people. You, you, you're a blessing to people. You, you're always looking to to show love and mercy in the practical areas of life. And and so one of of the big categories of good works is is simply living out the character of Christ, which I believe produces extraordinary gospel opportunities. So 
So an ordinary activity can become an extraordinary activity simply by living it out to, with the character of Christ. That, there's a great verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, whatever you do, do all for the glory of Jesus. So whatever you happen to be doing, just do it for the glory of Jesus, all right? So let's say you're, you're delivering pizzas, all right? That would not seem to be a wonderful, spiritual, good work, right? You're delivering pizzas, that's your job, all right? But what if, what if you do so with the character of Christ? Right? Let's, let's just flesh that out. What might that look like? Well, what it might look like is, you, you consider your job to be for the Lord and not for, for Mazios. Okay, that's right out of Colossians 3.23. So you're like, you know what? This is the job I've been given. I am working for the Lord tonight. I'm delivering pizzas for the Lord. I'm delivering pizzas unto the Lord. Well, what, what, what else would that look like then with the character of Christ? Well, first of all, you would do it in the joy of the Lord. Man, I, I, I've said over and over again, I think joy is one of the greatest advertisements of the gospel. In fact, I think joy in a hard thing is a, for Jesus' sake, when you are joyful in a hard thing for Jesus' sake, that's a good work. I, I think that alone is a good work, all right? So you're in your Mazio, you got your, your what are they, do they have stuff on the top or is that just pizza? Hut? I don't know. Anyway, you got your Mazio's flag on the car, you're headed out and you have the joy of the Lord. First stop, ding dong, you know, Lady opens the door. She's got red eyes. Looks like she's been crying. You notice that right away. You're very pleasant. She's writing out the check. While, you're writing out the, while she's writing that check, you say, with the joy of the Lord, ma'am, are you doing okay tonight? Are, are you okay? Are you, having a, are you having a good night? Or Are things tough? And she says, well, all, we, we ordered pizzas because we have it all my, all my family and my mom just died. So all the kids and grandkids are in, and that's why we ordered pizza in. As she's writing out the check, you said, ma'am, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't know your mom, but I, I can tell that you loved her, and I'm really sorry about that. You know, before I go, what, I, and, and it's okay if not, but would you mind if I just prayed for you? All right. So, you see what I'm saying? Now, is that any kind of extraordinary, <laughs> not extraordinary activity? But, but you're doing what you're doing with the joy of the Lord with a mindset to bless. So maybe you pray for her, maybe something happens, maybe it doesn't, maybe, maybe she opens up, maybe not, maybe you, you take the check, you get in your car, and you go to the next stop. Ding dong, you open up the door, it's a little old lady, you can tell she's pretty elderly, and she just ordered one little small pizza, so you know it's just for her. You know, again, ma'am, how are you tonight? How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, little whippersnapper, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, and and. You know, ma'am, I, I, I saw it at your curb. The, the trash came today and your cans are still out there. We, while, while you're writing a checkout, would you like me to bring those cans in? Where can I put them for you? Well, you can put them right over there in the corner, man. You're so nice. I tell you, you know. Well, ma'am, I tell you what, I've just got the joy of the Lord tonight. Right? Ordinary activities done with a Christ-like joy and intention to bless all of a sudden open up doors for good works. Now, so I think those are my three big categories. So look for urgent needs. Do what you do with a motive for Jesus. And then number three, do whatever you do with Christ-like qualities with the intention to love and bless. Okay? Now, next final question. How are we to devote ourselves to good works? Go, go back to, to Titus um, 3, 14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Okay, learn to devote themselves. That, that, that tells me that there's a learning curve here, right? Like, like we've, we've actually got to put some things into play in order to be consistent with this, okay? So what, 
What ideas what might we come up with in how we are to learn to devote ourselves to good works? Well, let me, let me give you some that I found that uh, I, I think are helpful. Um, I, I read some of these, and I, I can't remember. I think it was a TGC article. Um, but but these are things that I think are good, okay? Number one, leave margin in your schedule to step into the good works as they arise. I think one of the greatest hindrances to good works is this frantic, crazy, pedal to the metal uh, schedules that we tend to want to live by. And I know what you're all saying. I don't want to live that way. Let's just, let's just quit saying that. We do what we want. We're Americans, okay? We've got lots of money and resources. Whatever we're doing, it's because we want to do it. Nobody's shackling our hands and saying, all your kids got to play nine sports, you know? And if you don't, I'm throwing you in jail. Nobody's doing that. No, I mean, we're doing what we want to do, right? And, and so, so if we're going to do what we want to do, then we've got to leave a little margin there. We've got to be willing to, to, to stop and seize the opportunity when it arises. Number two, leave margin in your giving. So, so man, I, I think if we're intent upon good works, we should, we should leave a little margin in, in, in our giving so that we're ready to step into that thing when it appears, when it happens. Number three, make it your intention to bless. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm jumping off of Hebrews 10, 24 here. This is a great verse. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawn near. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm playing off that word consider. So, so Hebrews 10 tells me that I ought to think hard about how to, cons- how, to, how to stir up other believers to love and good deeds. Well, if I ought to do that, then I think I ought to think hard about how to stir my own soul up to love and good deeds. I guess what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm jumping at here is that, that, that phrase, consider. Like, like that means think out, dream out, think about the possibilities. Dave did this with me in, uh, in our DT a while back, and then I did it with the small group leaders, and I think I've even shared it with you. I'm gonna share it again, okay? I, I, think, I think take three columns and say, what, what do I have? You, you know, wouldn't this be cool to do as a small group? Wouldn't this be cool to do as a church? What do we have as a church? Like, what do we have? I'm not talking about two kind of sorry properties on the wrong side of town. I'm talking about, like, what do we actually have? Man, we, we've got, what do we have ability-wise? If you take the five, six hundred of us, what, what, could, what, what, what kind of abilities do we have? Man, we have the gamut. Like, we could do all kinds of things, couldn't we? Operations and dentistry and mail delivery and drilling rigs and, and auto mechanics and heating. I mean, man, like, literally, it's across the board. We can do just about anything, okay, ability-wise. What do we have spiritual giftedness-wise? Man, we've got people that are great at compassion, need meeting. We're great at, we've got people that are great speakers and, and articulators of the gospel and teachers of the, of the word of God. We, we've got people that are mercy-oriented. We've got people that are service-oriented. We've got people that know how to, know how to help tangible needs. We have, we have all of this giftedness. What do we have relationship-wise? Man, among our, our, our congregation, I bet you we know everybody in Woodward County. I, I, I can't prove that, 
But I would just bet that if we look at ourselves as a collective whole, we know every soul in Woodward County. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think we probably do. Uh, I think Dana knows half of them. And so if the rest of us can cover the other half, you know, and Peggy probably knows the other half, right? Like, so so I, I think, think relationship-wise, what do we have? Resource-wise, what do we have? Man, I think we're just barely scratching the surface there. We know that we can, we can send $376,000 to the ends of the earth each year. We know we can do that without really a lot of effort during COVID, during a, a pandemic, when things are shut down, we know we can do that. What do we have resource-wise? What do we have expertise-wise? And then the next, next question, all right? That's what we have. What could we do with that? Isn't that a great question to dream about? Like, what could we do in the world with what we have? Now, if we stop right there, everybody can be like, man, that was a great small group. That was so fun but we probably should go ahead and, and ask the third question. What will we do? What will we do? What are we gonna do this year? God has saved us out of our sins, plucked us out of hell, set us on a course for glory with this incredible hope just over the horizon. What are we going to do? How are we going to live that out in Woodward, Oklahoma, and to the ends of the earth? Man, what a great question. I can't wait to see. Let's ask for help. Father, we, we pray that you would help us, God. Help us to live out good deeds for Jesus' sake, in his name, for your glory. God, help us to to not seek the pats on the backs. God, help us not to seek to be seen by men. Father, your reward is so much greater. Father, I, I pray that you would put it in us to care deeply about meeting needs, meeting urgent needs, about spotting those, seeing them, responding to them. God, I pray that you'd put in us the characteristics of Christ, the joy of the Lord, the kindness of Jesus, the love of God, the compassion of Christ. Father, put those things in us so that ordinary, simple stuff becomes kingdom impacting. Father, we ask that you'd help us. We ask that your, your power would be with us, God. Lord, show us what we'll do. In Christ's name.